0: Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Grace. If y'all will stand with us, we get to worship our God. So let's sing it out together. (laughs) All
1: right, sing it out with us. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love is broken, mercy as are from me. What well, I have seen, no ear has heard, no heart can fully know. Glorious, how beautiful you are. Beautiful. So your glory fills the sky the mighty works displayed for all to see The beauty of your majesty Always my heart to sing How marvelous, how wonderful you
0: That verse says, draws us out of darkness into light. So sing these words with us.
1: Into marvelous light, I'm running. Out of darkness, out of shame. And by the cross, you are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. Sing that again. Into marvelous light, I'm running. Out of darkness, out of shame. By the cross you are the truth, you are the life, you are the way. Lost its steam from the grave you've risen victoria. Power, death has lost its sting. From the grave you My hands and spin around See the light that I have found Oh, the marvelous light, marvelous light Lift my hands and spin around See the light that I have found Oh, the marvelous light, marvelous light marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness, out of shame By the cross you are the truth You are the life, you are the way Same Into marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness, out of shame and By the cross you are the truth You are the life, you are the way.
0: Amen. That's true. You guys can take a seat.
2: If you'll bow your heads and listen as I read God's word from Psalm 23. Meditate on these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we gather as a people that confess that you are the mighty God, the one that saves us, that draws us out of darkness into a marvelous light, gives us new life, and that you're a good shepherd, and that we can trust you to care for us, so that we don't have to be afraid of anything this world throws at us. Lord, we also gather as a people that confess that often... We fail to trust in that reality. That often we go back to our old gods and our old saviors, and we forget you. And so we come this morning not only confessing that you're the answer, but confessing that, that so often we've sought other answers. And so, Lord, we come repenting. And we come with broken hearts. And, Father, we come knowing and rejoicing that you accept us back, that you forgive us. And that you will continue to walk beside us, and you will continue to shepherd us and love us. And that because of you, not because of our goodness, but because of you and what you've done through your Son Jesus, we can dwell in your house forever. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing this song
0: as a song of confession that view ourselves as God sees us and to understand that we are helpless and we need him as a shepherd. I'll sing these words with us.
1: God is my shepherd. Follow me, follow me in the house of God forever. Shepherd staff, shepherd staff, you comfort me. You are my feast in the presence of enemies. Surely, goodness will follow me, follow me in the house of God forever. of God forever the house of God forever I'm together. trumpet sound for his coming one day the skies with
0: that you'll help us to wait for your coming. God, we pray that you'll help us to be faithful servants, God, who know our master and who do what he says, God. I pray that, God, that you will just fill us with your spirit, help us to understand what it is that you want from us, God, and what is best for us. Help us to seek you out daily. Pray that you will, you will change us as we see your character and as we we look at your word. That's your name. I pray. Amen.
2: Well, good morning. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Glad to hear. Everybody, you talk back ten thirty. Nobody says anything at nine. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Everybody's still very asleep. And uh, we can get to the house lights. Yes, thank you. That'll make sure nobody falls asleep while I'm talking. Um, if you could open up your Bibles to Matthew 23, we're continuing our study in Matthew. We've called it Kingdom Come, and we're looking at this King Jesus, as you can see from the image that we've chosen to kind of guide our study of the whole book. Uh, we're looking at Jesus as this King, as both the glorious King that we just sung about. We're looking forward to this day of His coming in glory Uh, But also in Matthew, he's coming as the suffering servant, as the servant king as well. And it ties in really well with our subject today. The subject today is called Follow the Leader. And what we're going to see is we're going to see this contrast with the wrong leadership of the Jewish leaders of the day and how Jesus condemns their leadership and says they're just playing religious games. And he's going to contrast that with, with really with himself and how really he's the leader we should be following. And there's this thing in all of us we're looking for someone to follow, right? We're looking for the team to belong to or we're looking for uh, someone that, that can, can carry us or can lead us or get us where we need to go. And Jesus says he's that leader that we're looking for. And it's not these religious leaders that, that are playing these religious games, but it's Jesus himself. And so we're going to kind of go back and forth from this contrast of, of how Jesus condemns these religious leaders in chapter 23 to, to who is Jesus? And what kind of leader is he and what kind of leader should we and um, Last week, we looked at the idea of missing the point and how the, the religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus, and I wanted to just share this verse from John, another gospel that shares kind of that whole idea of missing the point, getting lost in the scriptures and missing Jesus, the whole point of the scriptures. He says in John 5:39, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Again and again, that's what Jesus is is pushing back on this religious system with. He's saying, you're getting lost in your religious system. You're getting lost in your religious leaders. And you're not following the one that all of the scriptures testify about, Jesus himself. And so again, we're going to hit that theme today. If you'll open up to chapter 23, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And I'm reminded of, of the habit of the Israelites to reject God as their king. And want a human king instead. And I think we all have that habit as well. And so we need to be careful and watch that in our own hearts. That desire to follow a human king. If you remember in, in Samuel when they said, we don't, we don't want to just follow God. We want a king like all the other nations. And who did they pick? They picked Saul, who was tall and good looking but didn't have a heart after God. And so Jesus is going to lay out for us what kind of king are we looking for? What kind of leader should we really be following? Starting in chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Thus then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, "The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues." They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you only have one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, we we ask that you would teach us today, that we would hear from your word. And that we would hear from your anointed leader, Jesus, that that he would come out of the pages to us this morning. Um, We pray that you take away the distractions that we have and the other things on our mind. And just help us to see you and to hear what you want us to hear. We pray that your Holy Spirit would, would apply it to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Was I was thinking about uh, following leaders, I was remembering back when I was involved in youth ministry, we would do this kind of uh, mystery tour thing with our junior high kids. I, I worked as an intern with a uh, youth minister in Temple years ago, and uh, we had this special thing we would do on Fridays where we would tell the parents where we were going, but we wouldn't tell the kids. And we'd load them up in buses and vans, we'd blindfold them, and we'd take them to some mystery sites, so they just had to kind of follow us there, you know? And then we'd have, it was some special site, like maybe a junkyard, or maybe an athletic field, or something that would, they would then have some tie-in with the lesson we were trying to teach them. You know, it, was, it was like a big extended object lesson, and, and we were trying to teach them kind of special things in, in different special places. One time we were going on one of these trips. We were taking the kids to a, a mystery place. They didn't know where we were going, and my wife, who was my fiancée at the time, we were just engaged, Um, was going with us, and I was one of the leaders leading people in, and she wanted to kind of have the full experience, like the junior high kids that were going, so we went ahead and blindfolded her, too. We were leading her along, although uh, the other youth pastors with us were kind of teasing her and giving her a hard time, and so she really wanted to follow me. You know, she didn't want to follow them, because she knew they might, like, lead her into a ditch or something, so she was kind of, like, looking around, you know, for me, trying to find where I was, and they were saying, no, I'm Dave, and I'm Dave, you know, and they were trying to, like, throw her off, and Finally, she, she felt my face. And she was feeling around, you know, my ears and my forehead. And then she got to my nose and she said, Oh, that, that's Dave. I know, I know I can follow him. I know I found, you know, I found him. I know I can trust him. And so she, she had found the, the right person to follow. And, and this morning what I want to do is I lay out Jesus kind of saying, These are the wrong leaders. These are the right leaders. Basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be kind of feeling around and going, Okay, this is what real leadership looks like, you know. And, and we're going to get the feel of what Jesus is saying a true leader really is supposed to be. And so as we unpack this, I want us to start off with the idea of servant leadership. The idea of servant leadership. We should follow servant leaders, and we see this in the first four verses. The first four verses talk about how the the Pharisees, the religious leaders of their day, made things difficult for people, and they didn't really help. They just made things more difficult. They piled on things for people to do. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. So you're saying they they have the official status. They are your leaders, right? Um, Moses' seat was just a terminology for it, would be kind of like they have the pulpit. You know, we kind of use that term in Christian circles, like the pulpit is kind of the symbol of authority. The preacher has the pulpit. You know, he speaks from this place of authority as the one that exposits God's word. Well, that's kind of terminology they might have used, or they, you know, you might have said, Um, they have this title, they have this role. But Moses is basically kind of a summary word for, you know, the writer and the leader of the whole Old Testament. So they're saying, the Pharisees have that, you know, they're in that line of of leadership, and they're going to be speaking to you out of God's word. So you're supposed to listen to everything they say. But then Jesus kind of takes a turn here. He says, so you're supposed to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. He's saying, you know what, they're supposed to be leaders, but they're not. They're not leaders because they don't even do what they say. They don't even practice what they preach. In verse 4, he says, They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to remove them. He's saying they just make things more difficult. The Pharisees were known for, for teaching the law in a way where they just added more laws to it. You know, they focused on keeping the law and making sure you didn't violate all the little Intricate fine points of the law, and so they would just add another law, and then they would add another law. And they had this this layer and layer and layer of traditions by Jesus' time that nobody could keep. And the Pharisees' job was to be the experts and you know, to act like they were smart and they knew what they were doing, but they would they would hold other people down and they didn't they didn't lift people up. They didn't make it easier for them, they made it more difficult for them to follow God. We just saw a couple weeks ago that that Jesus says the whole point of the law is to love God and to love your neighbor. But the Pharisees missed the point. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't see love for God in the law. And they just kind of kept adding lists and adding rules and adding traditions. And, and instead of helping people, they didn't lift a finger, he says. They just keep burdening them. They keep crushing them with more and more weight that, that they can't carry. I, I was thinking about that whole proverbial idea of the manager that just sits in the shade sipping lemonade. You know, you've kind of heard that concept of the guy that's like watching other people dig a ditch. And he's just sitting there sipping lemonade. You know, that's not the kind of person you want to work for, is it? Anybody had a boss like that? That, That's not inspiring leadership. I mean, it's become more and more popular these days, this whole concept of servant leadership, you know, in the business world. And, And part of the reason it's become more and more popular is because it works. Because servant leaders are the kinds of leaders that get things done. They're just better leaders. And when you have a servant leader, when you have someone that's willing to help and willing to, you know, get their hands dirty and get involved and help lift the load that you're lifting... It, just, it makes everything better. It, it helps you out. It makes a difference. And Jesus is saying, don't follow these religious leaders because they just want to play their religious games. And they don't actually want to help you. They're just trying to help themselves. They're not actually serving you or serving anyone. They're serving themselves. And as we contrast that with Jesus and with what real leadership looks like, we remember that Jesus serves us. Right? Jesus serves us. In Matthew 20, I think it's 28. Matthew twenty twenty-eight. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Famous verse. There's a a parallel in Mark as well. It's a famous verse that we all like to remember because it's so amazing. The King of Kings, the leader of leaders, didn't come to be served. He didn't come to just sit and sip, lemonade in the shade. He came to serve us, to bring us back to God, to be a ransom for us, to buy us back, to save us, to give His life on the cross, to take our place, to bring us back to God. Because we couldn't work our way up to him. He, he lays out who we should be and what we should do. And, and as we work, we just go deeper and deeper into debt. We just mess up more and more and more. And only Jesus, only a Savior that would come down to serve us, only by that means can we be saved. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve us and, and to be a ransom for many. As we remember that, then we can actually have the clarity to see the right kind of leaders to follow, right? Right? As we follow Jesus, our ultimate leader, then we can have discernment and not just get caught up and, you know, and jump on the bandwagon to follow some popular leader. But we can start to pick out the, the true leaders, to see the, the ones that really are the servant leaders that really we should follow. And on the other side of that coin is, is when we really see Jesus as our true leader that serves us, that frees us up to serve other people. Then we're not always clamoring for a place where we can get other people to work for us. But then we have joy in being able to, to serve and to help. That, that turns our heart loose. We're, we're no longer trying to, to climb that ladder of success, but now we're free. We're free to move beyond ourselves, and we're free to give ourselves to serving others. And, and that's when real transformation starts to take place. It starts with Jesus. It starts with seeing that he's the real leader. It starts with remembering the gospel that he came to serve us, and then it, it pushes us out then to serve others. We've talked uh, in the past about membership here, and what does membership look like? And I've, I've joked sometimes that we don't really keep an official role of membership, and that basically, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus, and you come here, well, then you belong to us. I mean, you're, you're a member here, okay? Um, but, but the other side of that is, really, that doesn't mean we don't expect anything. Just because we don't keep a role doesn't mean we don't expect anything out of our members. If you belong to Jesus, He expects you to serve. If you belong to Jesus, he expects you to be unified with each other. If you belong to Jesus, he expects you to partner with other believers for the good of the kingdom in this community. We, we have a whole list of things that, that we expect and that the Bible expects out of people that walk with Jesus, out of people that follow Jesus. And and that list is in our Constitution, and you can consult that sometime You know, if, if you're just looking to understand better what membership looks like. But I would say a really good way to understand it from this text is membership looks like serving, serving one another getting involved, serving your neighbors. And, and I want to say thank you for, for those of you that do that so well. I mean, I'm, this, is not, this is not just anger that people don't serve enough, but this is, I, I'm encouraged at how you guys serve. Yes, we'd, we'd always love to see more serve. We'd love to see more people not just sit in seats, but get involved, but partner with us and serve, serving uh, and bringing meals to each other when people are sick and loving your neighbors and having each other over to your house and serving in Sunday schools and the nursery and helping out with, programs and, and giving financially and, and sending emails and talking to our missionaries and, and loving them. There's all these different ways that you can serve. Teaching and hospitality and, and service in, in a million different ways. And, and I would encourage you that, it, that it's only really when you see that Jesus serves us that then you have this supernatural, this abnormal desire to serve. Because it's not natural to want to serve others. That, that's not the way we're made. It, it takes Jesus invading our life and changing our heart to propel us out to serve others. And so if you don't feel that, if you don't sense that in your own life, that don't, that desire to serve others, then, then I would encourage you to re-examine your understanding of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. Well, the next thing that we see Jesus talking about is the idea of authentic leaders. He talks about authentic leaders, um, really contrasting that with the Pharisees who weren't authentic. If you pick it up in verses 5 through 6, just verse 5 and 6. He says, everything they do is done for men to see. Everything they do is done for men to see. How many of the things they do? Everything. Very good. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. What what does that mean? They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. We understand the place of honor and the important seats thing, right? Um, you know, a lot of churches have thrones up front. We try to avoid that because, you know, my head doesn't need to get any bigger than it already is. And, um, but, you know, we don't do the, the special thrones thing because it kind of seems like Jesus is forbidding that here. And we shouldn't, you know, always be looking for special seats uh, of honor. Um, but but he talks about this specific thing of phylacteries wide and tassels long. Um, the phylacteries were these these leather straps they would wear around their arms or maybe wear around their head or their neck. And basically they would... They would tie up scripture, write scripture, and then put it in these little like, utility sacks, these little purses, these little leather straps, and they would tie them on their head, they'd tie them on their arms, so that they would always have God's word with them. Which sounds like a great idea, right? I mean, like today, we might have you know a little, a little prayer calendar that has a scripture on it to remind us, or, or you might have like, an alarm on your phone, or, or little email reminders of God's word. I mean, there's a lot of good ways to do that, right? To bring God's word into your daily Life. And they're basing this on obedience to Deuteronomy 6, where God says to just put God's word everywhere. To tie it on your forehead, to write it over your doors, put it on your walls. I mean, that, we should do that. We should have God's word. Maybe not the little leather belts. But we should have God's word in our life in some sort of way that works for us, that reminds us. But the issue here is that they, he says, they make their phylacteries wide. He's saying they make them bigger so that people will notice them. Because everything they do is done for men to see. And he says they make their tassels long also for people to notice. What, what's the tassel deal? They, they would wear robes, and they'd have tassels on these. You know, they'd have these cloths around their, their shoulders, a prayer cloth to you know, remind them to pray. And they'd have things on the bottom of their robes too. And, and they would kind of rub these tassels, and almost like prayer beads or, or some kind of prayer reminder that you might have. Again, like an alarm or some note or cards that you might have in your life to help you remember to pray. Again, there's nothing wrong with reminders to pray, Right? But again, he's saying they're doing it to be noticed. They make them longer so people will see. You know, it's kind of like being flashy with your spirituality. We saw this way back in, in chapter 7 talking about, or chapter 6, where it talks about you know, the Pharisees having their big prayers and, and talking, shouting their prayers out loudly so everyone hears them so people notice how spiritual they are. He says that, that's not authentic leadership. That's, that's not, a, that's not a, a real relationship with God. That, that's not praying because you love God. And you love his kingdom. That's praying to impress other people. That's to be seen by men. I found this picture of a man taking a picture of himself in a mirror. So you've got this kind of endless you know, images upon images. And, and I was just thinking about this, you know, doing everything to be seen by men. It's this, it's this self-obsession, right? I mean, sometimes we get trapped into that. You, know, you walk by and you see your reflection. You're like, hey, pretty good looking. Look at that. You know? and, and we, we kind of get wrapped up in that. And maybe some of you are not, maybe, maybe you don't think you're self-obsessed. Maybe you're, you're thinking, well, I think I'm ugly. I don't really like to look at my reflection in the mirror. And, and I would argue, you know what, that means you're self-obsessed too. I mean, we need to get to a point where we're not even really paying attention anymore to the image. We're, we're not going, look at how good looking I am or look at how ugly I am. I mean, either, either way, you're obsessed with yourself. You either think you're too good to be ugly or you think you're just beautiful. I mean, either way, you're, you're fixated on the mirror and you're, it's all about you. And Jesus says, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to be like the Pharisees, doing everything to be seen by others, obsessed with our own image. The scripture says that we're created in God's image, and our job is to reflect his image in the world, that, that we're to, to push him out, to show him to everyone around us, so that when people look at us, they're reminded of God. Jesus talks about this, this relationship, really, we talk about glorifying God, showing God's weightiness or his greatness or his glory in Jesus says in John 8, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Jesus talks about throughout John this special relationship that he has with, this, with his Father, this, this oneness, this authentic relationship he has. He's not faking it and just trying to do things to impress people. He, he's not calculating what would be politically expedient, what would get the most attention, or how he could draw the most crowds. But he's doing what he thinks the Father wants him to do. He's actually in real relationship with the Father. And so often we, we do religion as this like club thing, and we're thinking about what other people think of us. We're not, we're not talking directly to the Father. We're, we're worried about what everybody else is going to see. Jesus says, don't, don't do the spiritual life that way. Those are the wrong kinds of leaders. We should be authentic, and we should follow authentic leaders. And so as we, we anchor ourselves on Jesus as the true authentic leader, I wanted to read another verse from John. John 5 says, John five nineteen. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Again, Jesus is talking about this authentic, real relationship he has, father and son. He knows the father delights in him, and he delights in the father's love. And out of that delight, there's this overflow of them being able to love others, being able to lead others. And again, just as we looked at the previous point, if, if you get this relationship, if you get that Jesus has an authentic relationship with his father and that he gives that to you, that we can be adopted as sons and daughters of God by faith, by grace, because of who God is, because he's a loving God, not because of what we've done, that will then begin to shape how you live. Then you will begin to have an authentic relationship with God yourself. You'll begin to be a leader as you begin to be authentic. People will gather around you as they see someone who's doing what God tells them to do rather than doing what people say they should do or what they think people want them to do. It's such a trap to fall into. And I've shared before how that, that's a struggle for me. I would really like it if all of you liked me. I mean, I think that would be awesome if all of you just thought I was great. But, but God calls me to something more important than that. He calls me to a faithful relationship with him. And sometimes that means disappointing people. Sometimes it means challenging people. Sometimes that means a, a lot of different things. And, and, and what I want to encourage all of you and, and myself as well with is as we continue to have an authentic relationship with the Father... And take our orders from him instead of from the crowd. Then a crowd will actually begin to follow. People will, will actually start to be leaders. We'll be leading others as we begin to just focus on the Father and walking with him. Well, the last thing we see is that we should follow humble leaders. Humble leaders in 7 through 12. He says it this way. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them Rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We've come back to the servant idea again. In the first section, we were talking about servant leaders, the people that actually serve. Now we're talking more in the idea of people that... Uh, want a title for themselves Want a position of power And so now we're talking about servant leaders And the idea of someone who's willing to be humbled Someone who's willing to be seen as a servant They don't, they don't care about their title So one was talking about what they actually do Serving and now it's talking about their attitude Towards themselves They, they, they don't really care what people think of them They don't really care what title they have um, But they are humble He says whoever humbles himself will be exalted But whoever exalts himself is going to be brought down Is going to be humbled I want to talk a little bit about this idea of titles and, and looking for a title and looking for a position. Um, when, when you look at our bulletin, on the back of our bulletin, we have all these people with titles, right? We have elders, we have deacons, we have ministry leaders who, who oversee different ministries. And, and I want you to understand that there's a difference between saying we can never, ever use a title no matter what and saying don't, don't love your titles Um, I'm the pastor here, that's my title, that's my function, that's my office, there's the biblical office that's used throughout the New Testament, that there are are actually roles in the church, there are teachers, there are servants, there are people that do all these different jobs, and so when we use those titles, we're just saying, that's their job, but the difference is is here, you don't have to call me pastor, like if you walk up and call me Dave, I'll answer, because that's my name, okay? (laughs) My name is Dave. I'm not Pastor Dave. Now, you know, I'm not like chewing you out because a lot of people do that. It's just habit, you know, and people are trying to be respectful. And that's fine. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't make me mad if you do that. But I would never demand that. That's, that's not what I ask people to call me. You know, if you're looking at the ministry contact people on the back, you know, and you need to talk to the youth minister about something, you don't have to go, oh, great and wise youth ministry leader contact. You know, I mean, you, you just say, hey, Steve, or, you know, hey, Chris, you, you can just call people by their name here. Now, there's another angle to that because we live in a military town, right? We live in a military town, and, and I don't pretend to understand all the ins and outs of that. I have the, the beautiful freedom of being a civilian and not even having to worry about that, you know? I, I just can call you by your first name, you know, no matter what your rank is. Um, but I understand there's a, there's a difference, that, that sometimes there's a proper respect that still due. You know, I, don't probably, I wouldn't recommend, you know, the young, new soldiers just... Trying to be buddy buddy with the you know the older officers or what you know, I mean there there's some level of decorum that, that still may carry over from your job into here, but but you're not gonna be called Elder Bob here, you're just gonna be called Bob. You're not gonna be called you know Deacon Jones here, you're just gonna be called Jones. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna pull that into this organization. This organization, we're we're all brothers, like he says. And and even some denominations, you know, some churches, they do the whole brother thing. They call everybody brother to make that clear, to make sure we all get it. Um, I think that may be t- taking it a step too far. I mean, it's not bad. I, I would just say, why don't we call each other by our names? Why don't we call each other by our names? And, and then we're not worrying about the title. We're not worrying about the position. Um, and I think that's, that's important. I, I found this uh, picture here of a business card. This whole idea of, uh, of showing someone who you are. And, and I'd be very careful when, when you meet someone. It's really hard for guys because we kind of see our identity in, in our job. You know, like... We think we are what we do a lot of times, so it's hard to not lead with, you know, this is who I am, and this is my title, and this is what I do, you know. But, but we want to establish a culture where we're not focusing on that so much, but focusing on being brothers, being sisters that, that care for each other, that are all one in Christ. In Galatians, it says there's no longer Greek or Jew, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male or female, we may, we may acknowledge that in the world and in society there are positions and there are different roles. But in Christ, we're all the same. We're equal before him. I was thinking about this idea of being kind of obsessed uh, with your title and your position and trying to learn to be humble, to be a humble leader rather than to be kind of a self-exalting um, leader. And I, I remember this old story about this famous preacher, I think he was in Chicago, named uh, Henry Ironsides. Um, and Ironsides was confessing to a brother, uh, to a friend, that, that he was struggling with pride. And, and that he felt like he was really struggling with pride and he needed to learn humility. And his friend had this great idea. He said, well, hey, I know something you could do. Why don't you put on, and he was like this real, you know, had this big church and this kind of real respectable old school preacher. And his friend said, hey, why don't you put on one of those sandwich boards, you know, that has like Bible verses on it and go downtown to, to like the financial district and walk around, you know, and, and be a street preacher for a couple days Because he normally didn't do that kind of thing I guess he was too cool for that or too respectable He's like, okay, yeah, I can do that I can do that, I can do something Even though people will think I'm weird And think that's a little different So he we went out and he did it for a day and, and shared the gospel with people And had this goofy, like, sandwich board thing that he wore around and, But then when he came back to his house And he's changing clothes And he's taking off the sandwich board He thought to himself, you know I bet none of my friends would be willing to do something like that to fight pride in their life. And, and, and he had just fallen back into that same trap, you know? He's just thinking, I am so cool that I just did that for God, you know? <laughs> and and we, all, we all do that. And kind of, again, going back two points to the, the mirror idea, that the goal is, is not that we would be obsessing over, look at me, how humble I am, but that we would just be free. That we would just be free to serve others, to love others, to authentically walk with Jesus, to get outside of ourself. And, and our true example, again, is Jesus. In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, he says, Paul's talking about Jesus, and says, Your attitude, your, your mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be, to be grabbed at. But he made himself nothing. And taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and become, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you know who Jesus is, if you know that he is the God of the universe, the King of kings, the leader of leaders, yet he was willing to humble himself, to be seen as nothing, not to worry about impressing other people, and God therefore exalted him, if, if you understand who Jesus is, again, that frees us to be humble. We don't have to care about ourselves. We don't have to have some important title. We don't have to, to search for respect anymore because the ultimate respect, the greatest respect in the world is being adopted as the king's child. We are, we are children of the king. There's not anything bigger than that. There's not anything more to look forward to than that. That frees us to then be his servants and his agents as as those who have an inheritance with him in eternity. We look forward to that in the future. Well, when we went on that, uh, that mystery trip with the junior high kids, I wanted to share with you where we went. You know, I said we, we would kind of take the kids to the interesting different places. And, and as we've been talking about this whole idea of, of leaders, and if you follow the right leaders, the right leaders will lead you to the right places. But if you follow the wrong leaders, the wrong leaders will lead you to the wrong places. And we really helped the junior high kids understand this because we led them to a graveyard. Um, and so that mystery trip that we took them on and had a great you know, Bible lesson that tied all in for it with them. But, but we led them to a graveyard. And, and it was, it's a good lesson to remind us that there's this, there's this kind of eternal in-state view to this passage as well. That we've kind of been focusing on everyday life. You know, how to do life in community as a church. How to lead each other. How to follow each other, how to, how to see Jesus as our ultimate leader in that whole process. But there's, there's an eternal end state to this too. When you look at verses 11 and 12, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is not just in the here and now, but this is eternal. There's a type of leader that we can follow and a type of leader we can be that only leads people to the grave. And then there's this different kind of leader, this leader that serves others this leader that is authentic and has a real relationship with the Father this leader that's humble and not obsessed with their own title and that kind of leader can lead people beyond the grave and that's what Jesus did for us that's the hope that we sing of as we sing these songs together and as we worship him let's pray Father we we pray that that the songs that we sing in church that the, the, the prayers that we pray would become more and more real that we would we would truly believe that you are our only hope and that you are the one that truly can lead us to eternity, to real life. Father, I pray that you would just continue to remake us and transform us with these truths. You would teach us and that we would follow you. That as we follow you, we would be true leaders that would have some place to lead others. But most of all, Lord, teach us to be followers. We pray that you would be exalted in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name.